0: Unlike
1: me.
0: Hello, and welcome to My Time Capsule. My name's Mike Fenton Stevens, and My Time Capsule is a podcast where I ask my guests to pick five things from their life that they wish they had in a time capsule. That's it, really. They can pick anything they like from any time in their life, but they must pick four things that they love and one thing that they'd like to forget, something they'd like to bury and never think of again. My very special guest in this episode has been a professional performer since the 1950s, working constantly during that time. I was born in 1958, and I grew up a fan of the wonderful Alita Harris, as you'll no doubt be able to tell from my interview with her, which we did in the living room of a friend of hers, overlooking a very full River Thames in London. Sadly, this episode was recorded shortly before the death of her husband, Mike. They had just celebrated their golden wedding anniversary, Anita speaks so fondly of him in this recording. John and I send our deepest condolences and heartfelt love. Anita started life as a skater, then a chorus line dancer in Las Vegas, then a member of the Cliff Adams Singers, performing on their weekly show, Sing Something Simple on the radio. And all this before she was 18. Her break came when she signed for EMI in 1961, and started her solo career, but her chart breakthrough didn't happen until 1967, and the release of the single Just Loving You, written by Dusty Springfield's brother, Tom. This was followed by other chart hits, including the anniversary warts. But Anita has always had more than one iron in the fire. She was in the films Follow That Camel, with Phil Silvers and much of the Carry On team, and then in an actual Carry On film, Carry On Doctor. She got these parts as a result of performing alongside Frankie Howard in Review in the West End. Now, in the 1970s, she was the assistant to the TV magician David Nixon on his tele shows, as well as performing in the Royal Variety Performance and having her own This Is Your Life. She was the Variety Club of Great Britain's Cabaret Performer of the Year in 1982, has performed in Pantomime frequently and up to this day, and played the part of Griselda in the West End production of Cats for two years. She's continued to tour and act ever since, with appearances in Casualty, French and Saunders, Celebrity Masterchef, Midsummer Murders, her own one-woman show, EastEnders and even a UK tour of Cabaret in 2020 she's just about to tour the country again as she approaches the very youthful age of 81 with Freddie Davis's Legends of Variety Tour, alongside such legends as Freddie himself, Bobby Crush, Bernie Clifton, Tommy Cannon, Billy Pierce and the Grumbleweeds, amongst others. I know that, like me, you're going to fall in love all over again with the wonderful Anita Harris. I grew up, my father was an entertainer, in a way. Yes. He was a solicitor, but every weekend he would go and entertain people. So he would entertain at old people's homes. Oh, bless his heart. Blind clubs, oh, all those sort of yes, things. He just yes. liked to sing. So from about the age of eight, I was dragged along with oh, him.
1: Oh, how lovely. Lovely. Yes. I mean,
0: and he would say, do something. Come on, you can sing. He said, come on, pull on my coat when I finish that song. And I'll say, shh, 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 I'm entertaining the people, go away. And, and that draw them in, and then you say to me, have you seen what your son's doing in the swimming pool? And I say, well, all children do that in the swimming pool. And you say, not from the top diving pool. (laughs) So, of course, typically my very first performance on stage, I walked on stage and said, have you seen what your son's doing from the top diving pool? (laughs) I love it. So I was dragged into it, and one of the songs that I always sang was Loving You.
1: Really, darling? Really,
0: honestly, every time
1: time passes by so quickly.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But not for you. You look timeless. And also, I'm fascinated to find out the things that you've thought of to put into a time capsule. And uh, I'm hoping that they're going to be from all through your life.
1: I always feel, and the older I get, the more, more I feel blessed about how lucky I was to have the family, my parents, just beautiful, two beautiful brothers. And the value uh, becomes more paramount in these days of having a loving family Mm -hmm. who encourage, who give you the love and the well-being, all of those, the coziness of the fireplace. The picture book that turns into a reality as you're growing up Mm -hmm. is, for me, more potent now to look back it's something that was a gift that uh, we take for granted a little bit when we're kids, don't we? Mm. But when you th- when you think back and the the work and the desire to give the children the very best of everything, mm. the longevity of togetherness mm-hmm. has become more valuable. It's oh. it's um, I think the throwaway world yes. of things and even friendships, relationships. Mm. I think we have to just try to. Hang on in Ooh. there because what comes from even the struggles and the challenges mm. of being together becomes deeper.
0: Yes, so t- t- take a- me back to that time. Where did it start?
1: Okay, well, I was born in Somerset, oh. where the Zyder Apples grow <laughs> in Midsummer Norton. And the reason for that was because my darling parents lived, uh, were b- both born and bred in Bristol, mm-hmm. my dears, and then they moved to Bath. Now, my first brother, Philip, was born in Bristol. David was born in Bath. And then the war happened, the came, and my father worked in cinemas. Mm-hmm. So he worked very often till midnight every night. His Sundays for his children and, and my darling mum were paramount that he would be taking... The family out, but I decided to arrive in uh, an air raid. (laughs) So he would take the family away from the big city, Mm. which was being bombed very heavily.
0: Is that why you moved to Bath? They had already
1: moved moved to Bath. Right, I see. Um, So Daddy would go out, out and into the countryside until he saw, you know, all clear. Mm. I decided to arrive when they were in the countryside. (laughs) The cottage hospital was full. But the midwife took my darling mum into her own house, into her own home, and that's where I was born. Now, come forward a few years, Eamon Andrews, This Is Your Life, Mm -hmm. they actually found this beautiful lady, (laughs) and I actually met the lady that brought me into the world. Isn't that incredible? That is incredible. And mummy. Obviously, saw her because she was with us on "This Is Your Life." So yeah. my parents also re-met this wonderful <laughs> lady. So that was my beginnings. Mm. And then um, they then went to Chippenham in Wiltshire. Right? Daddy worked at the Astoria Cinema there, mm. and uh, I went to the. We, we all went as kids to the convent, not because we were Catholics, but because religion and faith. Daddy always said is in your heart and your home. Mm-hmm but believing in God and in goodness. And it was the best thing for all of us. So I was three when I started at the convent. And um, I remember David, who was also there, said, oh, my mum is very good at hockey and teaching, which mum had no idea he'd (laughs) said. Of course, they were short on teachers to to help with, you know, gym and everything. So mum ended up... Teaching hockey at the <laughs> convent. And those were days that uh, are crystal clear. I can see them right now. Mm. Um, and then when I was seven, we all moved to Bournemouth. And there happened to be the Westover ice rink. Right. Have you ever been to Bournemouth? Do you know? I have it? been to Bournemouth. I've well, never been to the Westover Ice
0: Rink. I
1: don't thing. think it's there anymore. Oh, right. However...
0: I've played the theatre it, there. It's huge.
1: The pavilion, it's yes. Left. It's a mausoleum, actually. Well, <laughs> it, it, it feels... It's got an echo. It's got a sort of... Um, it goes on forever. ...tiling uh, atmosphere That's about right, it. It yeah. does go on forever. Mm. And the Westover Ice Rink was opposite... Right. ...the pavilion... The three of us, Philip, David and I started skating and we all loved it. I started to really enjoy it to a point where it became uh, a fascination, uh, a love. I wanted to be there all the time after school, weekends, holidays. And this is why I talk about my parents so much is that they, they obviously saw that. They indulged me in lessons, and that is what I thought I wanted to do. Opposite to that, there was this beautiful... Oh, another convent, by the way, the Convent (laughs) of the Cross. Uh, Miss Gobel was our singing teacher. So you see the two balances of skating, singing. Where did learning come in? However, um, my mum was a country girl and very uh, down-to-earth, beautiful, a beautiful smile. Mm. But her discipline has stayed with me. She would get up, you know, she'd put my liberty bodice <laughs> <laughs> on, the, on a, a little fire to warm it up for me, all of those beautiful things that mums do. Uh, but she also made sure that I did half an hour practice on the piano before I went to school. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daddy would take me skating. So I, I, I think I was very spoilt in that I... I was allowed to do all these things. Mm. But also, that is their gift, isn't it? Of yes. encouragement, mm-hmm. of it doesn't matter where you're going or what, as long as you're happy and learning and growing into wherever life is going to take you. Absolutely.
0: You know? There are many people now yeah. who put forward that idea for the education of young children. To think, in fact, it should be exactly. child-led. Yes. Know, what do you want to do? What do you want to learn? And through that, you'll learn everything else.
1: I'm sure it was more, more than what I wanted. It was just mm-hmm. instinctive. So what took over was um, there was a young man, also at the Westover Ice Rink, but also at the Queen's Ice Rink in London, called Courtney Jones, Now, Courtney Jones was quite a few years older than me, but he used me as his sparring partner. And he went on to become world ice dance champion, Uh five years running. And we used to go every Sunday, meet every Sunday, the two families at Southampton Ice Rink, which was open. And he would help to train me. He introduced us to a lady called Gladys Hogg, who was a trainer at Queen's Ice Rink. And Daddy took me up. To London, probably once a month in those days to train with her. That's where I thought I was going. Courtney lived in Inverness Terrace in Bayswater while he was a young man training again at Queens. And to pay for his ice training, he was allowed to go. There was a a manager at Queen's Ice Rink called Harry Lauder, not the not the (laughs) one of the the (laughs) (laughs) kills. who uh, opened the rink to him and his partner throughout the night. Right. So Courtney worked all day with Hardy Amies as a dress designer, learning dress designing. Good Lord. Right. He goes on, he becomes world ice dance champion, as I said. He comes back, and who is the designer of Torvald and Dean's Courtney? (laughs) Courtney designed the outfits for Jane and Chris for their bolero Oh, amazing. So that whole circle of my young life Mm -hmm. started. I was only 12 or 13 when I started Mm -hmm. skating with him, you know. And then to to see how his combination of his talents Mm -hmm. helped young people like Jane and Chris. So I am putting into my first pod Mm -hmm. my skating boots. Oh, marvellous. To treasure those, to treasure the fact that my daddy bought those for me and help me to grow up and learn about being able to be in front of an audience in some way, mm-hmm. you know. So there it's, you are. That's my first thing for your podcast. Lovely. Let's
0: put those boots in there. Yeah. I'll give them a polish.
1: <laughs> if you put too much of that white stuff on, it goes a bit flaky. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> you do need to polish them after.
0: Lovely, I will. And
1: you also need to... Um, protect the blades. P- protect the blades. Indeed, got I will. Their, yeah. Very safely.
0: <laughs> I met... Jane and Chris, in Australia, very long time ago, when they were sort of at their height and they were touring yeah. the world. So well, they were a, wonderful, absolutely
1: 80s, yeah. wonderful. Amazing, weren't they? Um, they found, oh, I meant to say Betty Calloway was their trainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, her influence with all of people like Courtney mm-hmm. and even Gladys Hogg, who didn't like her name, but never mind. (laughs) They were growing up when John Curry and Dear Robin. Mm -hmm. But all of the Britishness that conquered was because, I think, of the creativity that didn't just stick to the technical side of skating. And I was actually going to say that what I fell in love with skating was The actual technical side. Right. They used to have a thing on or they still do, called patches, where you go in first thing like six or seven o'clock in the morning, the ice has just been cleaned and sprayed, so it's still a little bit wet. But then they draw out patches. So you've got your piece your own patch of ice, it's about twenty foot long, I suppose, and you do your figures of eight. And the technique is that you go you skate on one foot over the same line, mm-hmm. but I love that side, that quietude. Hear the sound of the blade in mm-hmm. in the ice, the crunch. But I think that's where the Britishness scored—that they could do all the technical, Jane and Chris, mm-hmm. but they also had the choreography and the flair, absolutely, and that. the love of the musical theatre, yes, which brought this extra thing. Yes, oh, music is uh, such a. An embodiment of life, isn't it? It just
0: Well it won out with you, uh, didn't it, in the end?
1: It won out with me, yes. yes which will take me on to my next Okay. Um,
0: so we've got uh, skates in there for the first thing. Which right. Is lovely.
1: Boots was, and skates.
0: Boots and skates. They, so? <laughs> lovely. Lovely. Okay, so what's the second Okay,
1: one? so uh came to London and uh <laughs> auditioned for Cliff Adams, the Cliff mm. Adams Singers. Yes. And only somebody over 21 will go, sing something simple oh. as years go by. <laughs> oh, lovely. Although yeah. for me,
0: that somewhat reminds me of my mother ironing on a Sunday evening.
1: Oh, that's right. Oh. As,
0: as you listen to that.
1: Yes. Oh, that, I'm glad I brought that back mm. to you.
0: Very I'm great. not sure it was necessarily a happy feeling, because I was aware that it meant school was coming. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> Sunday evenings, I know you had this freedom of the weekend, mm. and then, uh-oh.
0: Suddenly, <laughs> oh, suddenly I think, school.
1: I love it, love it.
0: So you auditioned, and
1: okay, I auditioned, and um, on the Thursday, and I started with Cliff Adams on the next Monday.
0: Right. So did you learn to read music uh, from well playing the, the piano? Yeah. Right.
1: another thing I'm very grateful for Mm. I stupidly haven't carried on playing the piano but again nothing you learn in life is wasted is it? things come back after many years and you go oh thank you so uh, yes I learned to read music And um, although he would say (laughs) sometimes on a recording session, with that young lady who thinks she's Alma Kogan, please calm down a bit. (laughs) That Uh, dates me. Okay.
0: But but the whole thing about that was that it it very much was a group of people singing together, and you didn't stand out, did you? You weren't allowed to
1: stand out. Weren't allowed to stand out. Learned how to be part of a group, Mm -hmm. part of a company and obviously learning harmonies to a much greater degree than ever before. Although, it's going back to my school days, uh, singing Descant in those days mm-hmm. in the school choir. But he was a very strict but kind gentleman mm. and knew exactly what was required from his singers. And, of course, Jack M. Blow playing...
0: Um, the accordion. The accordion, oh, man,
1: Yes. Wonderful it's instrument. It's an extraordinary
0: sound, isn't it? That yes. whole sing-something-simple sound. It is. The idea that, that they'd say, well, what we're going to do is get these bunch of really lovely singers together yes. and we're going to accompany them with, oh, I know, an accordion.
1: <laughs> Absolutely right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's unique, isn't it? It is unique. One
0: of the things have been of. And even more
1: unique now that you've actually brought it back so potently <laughs> into this room. <laughs> so at the beginning, Six Boys, Six Girls... Then some young gentleman joined us, uh, and he was one of the six boys called Jerry Dorsey.
0: Oh, my word.
1: Who became Egbert for those yes. who didn't know, I A <laughs> uh, charming uh, young man. Good-looking, um, I should think. Oh, pretty good-looking. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Yes, and, uh, us girls were quite happy about that.
0: <laughs> I bet,
1: yes. Uh, and then we went on. Um, uh, we used to rehearse in Chelsea. There was a program called Chelsea at Nine on. So we rehearsed in the pub across the road. I can remember the room upstairs. And then once a month, we were asked to go up to Manchester to Granada Television, where there was a program called Song Parade. And that was my first time in a television studio. (laughs) So as a learning curve, not only vocally, now visually, Learning the techniques of, I'm, I'm sorry, but we were in black and white. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, techniques of the makeup, learning choreography. The only downside I look back on now, and it's been picked up many, many times, is I learned. The first sixteen or twenty-four bars of every song, and never learned the rest of it <laughs> because we of were course. the Cliff Adams singers were known as medleys. And on you move on to the <laughs> yes, next one, yes. of course.
0: <laughs> What's gone wrong? Where's the medley gone?
1: To? Well, interesting. You talked about the Pavilion. I know we're uh, harping in a different direction. Talked about the Pavilion. I did the Pavilion with Billy Cotton band mm. Show, mm. and Frankie Vaughan was on that, and mm. I did a medley. We did the whole week down there, and Frankie called me over one day and said, "Um, what are you like with criticism? I didn't even even worry or think criticism, anything to learn Mm -hmm. at the time. He said, if you take just three of the songs of your six in the medley, slow them down, you will find you'll get a much bigger reaction. Right. And I took that on board, mm. and obviously I, I, I've never forgotten that no. uh, he was such a charming and lovely man, and an um, enormous star. Oh, day. huge star! So yes. why should he even bother with me? I mean, you know, was just beginning. Everything. Yes, I mean, it, yes, and so proud that in years to come I got to know him and his lovely wife. And
0: he must uh, have seen something there, though. He must have noticed that you were doing things right, but just notice just that one thing that you're doing wrong.
1: Yes. I think because he was so good with the connection with the audience, probably slowing doing a longer version of a song and allowing the audience to be engaged with you and mm-hmm. it,
0: mm-hmm.
1: maybe. It's very interesting when you look back at your mistakes and uh, and your growing into and growing up through all of the silly things that you... You try and do and, mm-hmm. you know, learn not to do. The gift of the people that I w- had the pleasure to work with. I have so many sitting on my shoulders. Oh, right, you know. right. Yes, I know. Oh, it's extraordinary. Yes, it is extraordinary. Mm.
0: When did you leave Sing Something Simple? When did you move on? I
1: right. was with Cliff for two years. Right.
0: And what Two years. I, now, I don't know, but was it live? Did a little red light come on? Well, we sing? had a
1: little red light, Well, definitely. then it almost certainly
0: was. Yes. Either you sang it live or you sang it straight through, but it was unusual for a programme uh, yes, to be recorded, yes. it, wasn't it?
1: It was. Mm. You're absolutely right. And we would either do it at Aeolian Hall right. or, what is that, studio in Lower Regent Street? Oh, the, yes, the Paris. Yes, the Paris. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Now, I think of the Paris and I think of a programme called Something to Shout About. <laughs> with Fenella Fielding. And um, he, he went on to do... Um, he used to swear a lot on television in... Um... Not
0: half-garden, not... Yes. yes. Um, uh, Warren Mitchell.
1: Warren Mitchell. There we go. Good. Are. Thank you, darling. Then you're welcome. <laughs> so, Paris Theatre, mm-hmm. Lower Regent Street. Three of us girls of the Cliff Adams Singers were chosen um, to go and be the backing singers... Uh, and be in tiny bits of the sketches, a programme called Something to Shout About, Vanilla mm-hmm. Fielding, Warren Mitchell, I think it was Joan Sims. Right. It was an incredible cast
0: Fabulous.
1: of comedy-drama, basically, mm. uh, with these odd bits of do-do. In those days, I suppose it could have been do-ah, 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 whatever, do-ah, do-ah, do-ah. However... Uh, that went on for almost a year, so I got used to going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a small band. Uh, um,
0: but at the time, it would be the um, Ray Ellington band.
1: It would it? have been the mm-hmm. Ray Ellington band.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And he was gorgeous, too.
0: Oh, it is. I'm, oh, um, yes. I am just My about. My In loved a few Ray weeks' Ellington. time, I'm going to talk to his son.
1: Oh, how wonderful. Lance
0: Ellington, who is just the most beautiful singer. Yes. He sings on Strictly Come Dancing. And also sang, Gillette, the best of all. <laughs> We'd all like to have sung that.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> then along came another threesome. Uh, us three girls, and we were asked to do um, a show at the Cumberland Hotel and sing The Waiter, the Porter and the Chambermaid. <laughs> and I was the chambermaid. <laughs> In the audience that night was the manager of the agency of John Barry, of John Barry then, the John Barry Seven. Mm. And his name was Tony Lewis. And he approached me after and he said, I'd like to talk to you. And you're very young, so I'm going to talk to your parents as well. Mm -hmm. And he took me into, it was called Top Line Agency. right? And in that short, it was quite a short time that I was with them, but they were very much in the same fold with Lionel Bart. And so Lionel Bart wrote me a song uh-huh. called I Haven't Got You mm-hmm. on Parlophone, I think, Parlophone. And I remember there was a programme on the radio called Smash Hits. Yes. With Bob Monkhouse. Yes. I Haven't Got You took me into my my solo career, basically. Amazing. Tony Lewis and John Barry. And, of course, at the time, room.
0: Lionel Bart wrote for everybody. Oh, Just all uh, the hits.
1: Absolutely. Well, he was obviously working on Oliver. Mm. So I I've, I've got a very treasured picture with he and John Barry at the very beginning, the launch if you like. Mm. They, you know,
0: how exciting for a little girl from Bristol. Oh,
1: incredible, incredible. So that time and that actual record is going in, but it's going to be joined with something much later if I may. Yes. My just loving you. Ah. Uh. Now When I say my just loving
0: you... Oh, everyone's.
1: Everyone's. Well, thank you for that. But Mm. it's Dusty Springfield's Thanks to Her and Her Brother Tom, who wrote it. Mm. And the story of that, bless her heart, uh, we're now talking quite a few years onwards, aren't we? Mm. Um, I'm doing cabaret at a little venue in Nottingham. Mm. And the previous week to me is Dusty. So I go up on the Saturday night and stay. It's a venue like a hotel with the cabaret room. Yes. Right. So uh, I saw her wonderful show on the Saturday night. We met for a quick breakfast on Sunday morning, and a little while later, Dusty, uh, we was on the same top of the pops. I was singing trains and boats and planes. Mm-hmm. I usually put her first, actually. Sorry, Dusty. Dusty was singing, You Don't Have to Say You Love Me. Wow. Just Be Close at Hand. And she waited while I did my rehearsal. And she came across to me uh, and said, Anita, you and your mic need to meet my brother Tom because I think he's got a song for you. And again, on reflection, every time I sing this song, to this day, I thank her, because it was the most generous gift of another artist.
0: She could easily have sung it. Well,
1: exactly. I do know that she was going into the world of Son of a Preacher Man, slightly changing her own vocal attributes a little bit. However, as you say, she could have sung it beautifully. Mm -hmm. She gifted it. And he gifted it to us. So Michael got uh, Alan Tew to do um, do the orchestration. (sighs) And we went in. It was Olympic Studios. And we went in and recorded it. So I think if my first record, which is of acetate that you could smash. Yes. And the one that I will live with with me forever, Mm -hmm. um, just loving you. Shall we just parcel them up and put them together? Absolutely. With a big thank you note. <laughs> <laughs> to Dusty, yes, yes, and her
0: brother. Yes. How marvellous. I love that song.
1: I could spend my life just loving you.
0: If you could
1: learn to fall fall in love with with me.
0: I'm (laughs) gonna sing it with you. You don't know how how much much it hurts hurts just just loving
1: you. I'm I'm not not the laughing child I used to be. Some starry night I pray that you will come to me And make all my wildest dreams come true So till then I'll go on scheming Though I know I'm only dreaming I can't help myself just, Just loving, loving you. you. You did that beautifully.
0: Oh, I love that song.
1: Put your hand in oh mine. That was I so lovely.
0: Anita, I, I wish my We did my that dad, for your daddy. I did it for my dad. I wish you were alive oh, to hear that. Bless his heart. Mm. Well, I love the intro to that piece of music as well, which people don't really... That lovely sort of... Um, da, da, de, do, 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 do.
1: It is lovely, isn't it? The arrangement, Alan did a beautiful. beautiful arrangement.
0: Beautiful. Yes. Yes. Well, uh, you've, yeah. um, that's oh, one of the thrills of my life. Thank, thank
1: you. Thank you, my love. Oh, Marvelous! Oh,
0: awesome. in the tight capsule. Okay. I'm, going, I'm going to open it and have a listen myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Brilliant. That's two things. There we are. So oh. number three, let's hear what that is. There you are. I told you Anita was lovely, didn't I? Anyway, we're going to take a short break here for some adverts, but we'll be straight back.
2: This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.
0: Welcome back to the remainder of the things that Anita Harris would like to have in her time capsule. Let's find out what they are, shall we?
1: What it is is my memory book, uh, but my life in the lens. In Mm. other words, an album of photographs. Right. But when you first came through to me, I went through this whole thing of Talking a thousand years ahead, they're not going to know what a record is. <laughs> How do you preserve photographs? Yes. How do you preserve ink? How do you, What is the preservation of this? And is it going to mean a darn thing to anybody? <laughs> However, if it's not too presumptuous for me to put chronologically, go through my life showing photographs of my childhood on the Bournemouth Beach with my mum and my aunties and all of that, growing into and learning about the world of show business, about going to the Hampshire School of Drama, about going to Las Vegas when I was 16, Mm -hmm. all of those very fast growing up things, learning, my mother keeping my feet on, well, both of them keeping my feet on the ground, going into the world of the people that I mentioned before that I worked with, Mm Because every person we work with is a part of us, isn't it? Yes. And the joy of a play and the joy of a of working with somebody um, is is bouncing off each other, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, when you're doing a solo performance, you're not solo. Firstly, you've got your audience, mm-hmm. and they are part of who you want to please. Yes you've got your sound your lighting your your stage management your person that's writing your music your your team of people that are doing their thing whilst you're there doing your thing yes so you're never alone no but there are few people in my life that I want these photographs to to go with and and the story when Just Loving You became popular and, and gifted me with, with moving on in the world of theatre, uh, the first big job I got was at the Palladium with Harry Seacombe, Jimmy Tarbuck, Thora Heard, Freddie Frinton and Russ Conway. Oh. And that was eight months oh, wow. summer season, two shows a day, three on Saturday. Mm. Harry was the most generous of performers and as a human being. And after that summer season, Harry said, I'm doing some entertainment for the forces. I'd like you to come with me. I ended up doing 12 CSE tours with him. Obviously Germany. Mm -hmm. There's a photograph with him uh, at Checkpoint Charlie. Going to Cyprus, uh, Limassol, many times. Going to Akrotiri to the... Uh, the hospital there, it was a time of war, you mm. know. We're talking mm. Vietnam, we're talking Suez, so uh, so mm. yes. And Harry, uh, Harry could walk into a, a ward of a hospital with very poorly boys and girls in there and leave with shining eyes <laughs> for these poor kids, really, uh, who'd been injured, shining eyes, hope. Mm. That's a word, hope, that has to remain in the world for all of us. But to be with Harry, to see the joy that he created mm-hmm. and to know that it was genuine, to to know his lovely wife Myra and the children and all of that.
0: I love an image of somebody being able to walk into a room uh, full of fear and sadness, yes. and then just leave it with them full of hope yes. And, yes. and fun. And,
1: and an absolute ray of sunshine mm. um with that rainbow, which the, we all know they had to get through their own challenges, yeah. but they mm. had a spirit. Mm. So God bless him. He's very much, you can probably see him there. He's right on my shoulder. <laughs> okay, there's that <laughs> um, photograph. There, Charlie, we put yes. that in. Yes, okay.
0: This is a collection, though. Yes,
1: then I I was going to mention the Palladium again. That was with the wonderful Tommy Cooper um, and lovely Clive Dunn, who we remain friends with. Learning the craft and watching Tommy Cooper be so protective of. The instruments on his trolley of all of his, you know, the workmanship that went into that. And when you watch that and it's twice a day and three on Saturday, nobody dare touch that trolley of his, you <laughs> okay. know, but also the respect for that. And then moving on to working with David Nixon and, and dear Ali Bongo and, and mm. the respect for that. And with Paul Daniel seeing all of these magic and becoming a member of the magic circle, having to swear secrecy and all of that, <laughs> um, they're joyous. But they're also, it's a way of living and watching other people through their workmanship. That sustains with me, it mm. really does.
0: Yes, you've learned a lot, don't you? Yeah, From yeah. Realizing yeah. That those people who so often look as if they're doing it flippantly ah. or by accident. Well, and not at all.
1: That's what we all try and learn, isn't it? Mm. To make it look easy. Yeah. And um, it's like the the swan, isn't it, with the beautiful head, but underneath it's going like that. Yes. The, but the best the webs, compliment yeah. people can pay you is, uh, is, yes. um, is yes.
0: well, you made that look easy. Well, it's easy for you, <laughs> yes. they say. Yes. And you say, hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's what you think. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: Yes. So, um, oh golly, we could go on forever.
0: Cliff you worked
1: with? I didn't actually work with Cliff right. uh, but I worked with Una who worked with Cliff, ah, Una, Stubbs, Una Stubbs and Una and I did panto together that at right. Richmond Theatre Brilliant. Boy and Girl oh, and fantastic. everybody, I still get people coming up and calling me Una. Really? Yes, <laughs> we, we were very much alike in those days mm-hmm. uh, delightful and very talented girl. But yes, Cliff uh, we were on the bus together at the pageant last year for our um, wonderful queen God bless her even that look as the Coventry Theatre that's that's with Jimmy and Mr Pastry and Sue Nichols she Mm -hmm. was our um, fairy liquid
0: (laughs) and I I, you know nowhere near the level of you but I I feel blessed to have worked with a number of these people myself just the first time I worked with Jimmy we did a radio play together and he'd never done a radio play in his life oh brilliant and he was brilliant it was instinctive. Yeah. He knew exactly what to yeah. do. Yeah. It was great. Yeah. And that, that, I think, shows again and again through his career.
1: That's the picture with John Barry and Lionel Bart.
0: Oh, my word.
1: That's with Tommy Cooper and the football. Um, I've forgotten which... I've got to be reminded which football club that is.
0: Oh, that's Liverpool.
1: <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Mm.
0: Isn't
1: that a great uh, shot?
0: yeah. It's their great manager, Bill Shankly.
1: One of your podcasts had, um, what's his name, Gordon Kennedy, yes. talking about the Lord's Taverners. Uh, yes. And when I was doing Peter Pan, which I did for two years, Alan Curtis was my Captain Hook, and yeah. he introduced Mike and I to be uh, with the Lord's Taverners, and so I was a Lady Taverner for years. And that's the sort of... the chat Our Sundays were... Spent with all of again, uh, darling Henry and Henry Joanna, Cooper, there, yes. um, in a different world, and yet you know, the creative people of show business having a Sunday playing cricket,
0: mm. it was almost a club, wasn't it? Being famous, then it was, I always think that you've got the opportunity to meet the other people, you know. Now, yes. you don't get that opportunity, things aren't, for example, if you went to the BBC, everything was there. It all happened in the same day and of death. You are. You know, now it's right. dissipated Yes. Somebody will be rehearsing somewhere else. You'll be rehearsing yes. here. You'll record it in different studios. Yes. You won't come across people. Or
1: at Zoom. Or, uh, Indeed, all you, those sort of we're, things. We're taken away from each other a bit, yes. aren't we? and
0: I think it happens less and less that you actually meet people, which is why, I'm, when I first started this, my idea was that I would go and see people as, as we are here. Yes, you know how
1: lovely. So yes. it's
0: a delight to it, be doing this. It,
1: oh, bless your heart. But it, it, it is, I think, again, the pandemic has Changed mm. so much. We need each other, mm-hmm. don't we? People need people. People who need people. <laughs> but it's true, isn't it? Yes, it's true. We need each other. Yes. We need to look into each other's eyes. We need to feel the temperature. Feel how the anxiety. Feel the joy. Feel mm-hmm. it's again what you have in a theatre, yes, which is sharing a moment,
0: mm, a unique moment. Yes, as well. yes, it'll never come again.
1: Exactly. Yes. Yeah.
0: We do need to be with people because it's very easy to, in your head to become afraid of people that you don't deal with, you well, don't associate with.
1: We don't talk about fear much, do we? No. But nerves and overcoming nerves was very much, very paramount in my young days. I, mm. I used to get stomach ulcers because I was so nervous. And frightened. I often wonder if that's one of the reasons that I went, chose to do what I eventually did. I, going back to what we first started, I never planned anything, mm-hmm. things just happened. Mm-hmm. But of course, there's usually, when you look back, there's probably a reason for most things. My darling Mike, when he came into my life, he actually gave me the foundation of knowing that. If you rehearsed enough, if you did your homework, if you researched, if you learned enough about the job you were going to do, mm-hmm. then that comfort blanket was something that would help you land. And to this day, well I thank him, but I also try very hard, probably too hard sometimes, doesn't matter, to do my research. Yes, base so, and power,
0: be prepared.
1: There you go. That's it. <laughs> Boy Scouts. Go, guys. That's That's true. But then also, (laughs) in in those
0: circumstances, you learn also through experience that having done all that stuff, if it doesn't work or it doesn't go right, that's all right as well. It doesn't really matter. So we're going yeah. to take a collection of all those photographs. They're just too many to make... Yes, clearly, I think because, so, yes. Because you've been fortunate enough, but I think deservedly, to work with almost everybody.
1: There've um, been a few, there yeah. <laughs> been quite a few.
0: And still going on, that's the thing. I mean, you still do pantomime.
1: But I don't, I don't, don't do that anymore. No. <laughs> don't sap my thigh.
0: <laughs> Not that
1: I ever did, actually, no. but <laughs> that's the conventional girl-playing-boy image, yes. isn't it? yeah. yes. Now you've taken me, girl boy, into the Vesta Tilly in my life. Mm. Um, I was asked to do a good old days all those years ago. And I was playing Peter Pan at the time, and the lovely Alan Curtis was my wonderful Captain Hook. Lovely story, but just very briefly. I think it's the third act of J.M. Barry's works where the curtain goes up and Captain Hook is on the deck. And if you've captured those children in that audience, by this time they are not afraid to voice. So the curtain with with Alan, the curtain with go empty stage, empty of everything except Captain Hook had centre stayed and the volume of those children <laughs> screaming at him Screaming at him deafening mm. voice and Alan was so clever he waited and waited and waited until they had no breath left. Mm. And his first line was how still the night is. Isn't that lovely? Brilliant. Isn't that lovely? And I, I'm crouched behind, ready to, as Peter Pan to come out and, and, and oh. do a sword fight with him. But he, it got longer and longer and longer. I'm getting cramped, you know. But I did love him. He was a lovely gentleman and, and great, beautiful in the role. So there we are. So we're putting the album in. Is the that all right? And the album's going in, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. OK, next This might be boring, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking of putting some lyrics into the capsule. It's your fourth thing. Fourth thing. Mm. Um, You will appreciate this. Lyrics of a song become so important that they become a part of us. And so when we learn a song, the tune to me is the first thing that that I learn. But then the storyline of the song comes in. Mm. And there are a few songs that tell that song so beautifully, that tell that story so beautifully. My tummy's rumbling. <laughs> it's not a. It's not a plane going over. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, darling. <laughs> I should have had my porridge this morning. Yes. <laughs> Uh, I'm slightly hesitating because
0: I. I've, I've... Don't hesitate though because I, I know exactly what you're saying and I think you mm. demonstrated it earlier. I, you say I sang with you but I sang alongside you watching you sing it. Lots of people can sing that song and it won't have the effect that it has when you sing it because when you sing it you mean that moment. There's a moment so that. Um...
1: It's MGM on the phone oh, good. by the way. Uh, Not
0: okay. <laughs> uh... So, so you sing, so then I'll go on scheming, though I know I'm only dreaming. And the, the way that you sing, I'm only dreaming, is what makes that song so powerful. I can't help myself. can't
1: help Bless myself. You. Bless
0: you. It's, it's the beautiful lyrics, it's poetry. But you bring that through when you sing it. And a lot of people sing and don't listen to what they're saying.
1: Well, we were talking um, before, weren't we? And, and I know that some of your other guests. Have talked about uh, touching the heart mm. and touching the soul of people I, I think we we in a way we all hope that what we do is going to touch somebody. I was brought into focus. I had a year, I had a wonderful year in the 80s where the Variety Club of Great Britain were calling me, uh, gave me an award, Mm. Variety Performer of the Year or whatever it was. Mm. And it was presented to me in Leeds at a function. And, of course, it was wonderful and glorious. And I was on top of the... Oh, I was just in orbit Mm. of happiness and then at the same function was the wonderful Sami Khan. And <laughs> he got hold of my hand and he sat me down on the stool by the piano and he, he started playing When Somebody Needs You is no and I forgot the words. And Sami Khan, this is the memory, Sami Khan is in my ear giving me his lyrics <laughs> to sing. Wow. And I just, the combination of being so elated about what I had done mm. and the now of that moment where I had not thought to myself before I went there, Sammy Khan's going to be there. You better look up some of his songs or... Just in You, case. you see, going back to talking about research and preparing yourself mm. i did not prepare myself so the the imbalance of that day i came away half of me you know it was like um, phantom of the opera wearing a mask you know <laughs> half of me was elated half of me said you stupid girl but he was such a dear and and so endearing mm. but it was a huge learn of you just get your thoughts together before you, of the, what might happen.
0: Yes.
1: You know? Having just but it's still t- a lovely having, image, isn't uh, it? Hey, I'm sitting next but to how
0: you. how brilliant, though, having just been told you're <laughs> the best entertainer.
1: <laughs> yes, and you then, then going, oh, oops. But never,
0: you tell yourself, <laughs> this is the thing. You tell survive so, well, yes, you think that, but I think there's a lot I can learn.
1: About. Oh, yes. Uh, but we did meet him years later. Uh In fact... My darling parents met him as well in London, and he was as charming to them. And so, um, yeah, what a wonderful memory to have. Oh. But also, never stop learning, girl. Never stop learning. You no. you have to really keep yourself focused. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so when somebody loves you, it's no good. Unless- all the way. way. <laughs> yes, now we remember. <laughs> yes. So that uh, those lyrics, obviously, just loving you lyrics, anniversary Wars lyrics, mm. a song that I sing right now also is a song by Leslie Bricus. Beautiful lyrics called You and I. You and I will travel far together. Mm. We'll pursue our little star together. But I couldn't talk to you who yourself has worked in this business for a very long time and not tell you how proud I am of some lyrics that my Michael has written. The song is called Our Show. The music was written by Kenny Clayton. Uh, It's called Our Show. Why? Because it's what everything that you and I have talked about today is being a part of theatre There is the dividing line of the edge of the stage and the audience Mm -hmm. and bringing that audience onto that stage with you. Mm -hmm. And the lyrics are, You can start at the bottom. You can end at the top. This is the line that divides you and me. And this is the way that we cross it, you see. I sit in a room with the old number nine. Watching the clock, am I cutting it fine? Put on the grease paint, the butterflies start. That's part of the art. And then you open the door of the old dressing room. Step out of the light and into the gloom. You stand in the wings. Your knees have now gone. (laughs) You're suddenly there. Yes, you're on. That's the verse. (gasps) And let it feel with me how it feels. Hold on to your head before it reels. Hang on to your smile and don't let it go. When you stand here facing row upon row upon row upon row. We share our dreams with you, which makes you part of this too. Both sides of this line can now combine. It's our show, it's your show, it's ours, yours, mine. And to me, that just epitomizes what. We are about. Hmm. So, I'll show lyrics, please. Oh, absolutely! Going into my
0: well, that uh, they're great lyrics. I mean, that, absolutely that thing of standing up, walking to the wings, going yes. on. Yes, and the but lead... also how important it is. Some people, I think, have lost the skill of being an audience member. It, uh, it <laughs> seems that well, recently we've had people joining in with bodyguard and yes. and and them saying, "Well, I, I can't. I, you can't. I, I do this bit."
1: I don't think people would go to the opera and try and see, join him. <laughs> and
0: they... no. but you it's... are asking the audience to step over that line. Don't just sit there and observe. Become part of it. And they can do that. And audience can do that with silence. It doesn't have to be noise. It, just being silent means that they've taken part in it. Watching something that's dramatic or exciting mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. moving...
1: And actually, uh, if you look back at, um, I went with the cast of Cats. I'm lucky to say, mm-hmm. uh, to see Les Misérables, and literally knowing that tears were pouring down my face with Colin Wilkins, and ah, uh, mm. his voice just taking over me and everybody around us. The stillness in the audience because we were absolutely empowered by his performance. Mm.
0: But he would have felt that on stage. He would have been on the stage and would have known that the audience were with him in that moment.
1: Entering his his orbit, mm. entering his you space. You sense
0: when you've lost an audience. When yeah. they're not with you, you sense it. Yes. And so, yeah. as I say, it doesn't have to be just be quiet or now join in. People mm. give you a sense of things mm. by, their, by mm. their stillness, as you say.
1: Well, I think television and... Um, uh, probably concerts uh, have also changed how people react, even in the cinema, you know, taking food and drink and uh, lovely. But when it's live, you don't want to hear somebody <laughs> eating crisps. You, you
0: I actually um, saw a comedian the other evening who was halfway through his act and suddenly he went, but really now you think this is a good time to eat crisps? <laughs> right in the front row, honestly, really? And of course, the rest <laughs> of the audience went, Yes, absolutely, it's disturbing us as well. Yes. So yeah. I think that's what we're yeah. asking people not to do. I don't think it's a, it's a unfair to ask people to do that. To remember there are other people around you, and you're all part of it.
1: Yeah.
0: People quite often look at me in a theatre because I laugh too loudly.
1: Oh, lovely. I don't oh, know. Well, 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 well the people
0: like on that. stage go on like <laughs> that. And other people look at me and I say, <laughs> oh, <my pain's laughs> calm down. i said, I can't help it. I've got a loud laugh. <laughs>
1: Delightful. Well,
0: let's put Michael's beautiful Uh, lyrics... Thank
1: you, darling. ...into
0: the time capsule. So that's four lovely things we put in. And now we have to put in something you want to put Mm. in because you don't forget it.
1: I'm afraid my last time capsule that's going to go in to be thrown away and Mm -hmm. disappear is just one word. Technology. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm sorry. I'm being made to feel that... I am falling behind the world, mm. and I don't like it, and I want to learn, but it's all going too fast for me. I understand. I remember seeing tape being cut, <laughs> and I understood that. Mm. So, How can I catch up? Because if I catch up a little bit... It's on to the next thing. It's gone
0: too far. It's yes. even further away. Yes. I understand that.
1: and I don't
0: know, Anita. I think we're cursed. It's going to happen to everybody eventually. You think you've got a handle on it. You think you'll begin to understand it. It's just devilish. <laughs> it?
1: <laughs> That's a wonderful word. It is devilish. <laughs> I haven't mastered the computer. I've mastered enough my little iPad, which I love, mm-hmm. but I'm frightened of making a mistake. I'm frightened of being scammed. I'm You know, it Mm. is a fear. It's put a fear in to my world. I don't like it. It's making me feel fragile and I've tried to overcome all my fears as I've grown up and grown through, mm-hmm. which we've sort of talked about. So here's another blinking challenge.
0: Yes, I know. <laughs> you, I thought i would been through the wall. And now you give me the world. <laughs> yes.
1: And you've got toddlers coming up and showing you how to work things. That's gorgeous, by the way. Yes. It is it is delightful to see young people be so fearless. Yes. Um, and I guess also, we were at one. Also, in
0: a way, them. what they're demonstrating is is what it's very difficult to accept when you're dealing with technology is is that it's not really a mistake. You're not really making a mistake. You know, you can do things. You can just go back and do, change it, and go back and do it again, yeah. and start again, or get rid of it. And I absolutely understand that. That if I press that, what happens? They go, what if you press that? It's the wrong thing to press. So you then go back.
1: Yeah, but you, yeah. if you've done half an hour of putting something into the computer and then you press one button, it's all disappeared. It's gone. <laughs> and you, you have to redress your whole mindset mm. because it has blown it.
0: Of course, the other side of it is... That you could easily surround yourself with all sorts of technology and say to them, Oh, go on, put a cassette in there and see if you can do it. <laughs> ah. or, or put a record on and play it. But I want track three. <laughs> and see if they can do it. Because we know that.
1: Exactly. So exactly. you
0: know we have something they don't.
1: Yes. You oh, take me really. back to Christmas morning and my mum and I in the kitchen with Nat King Cole <laughs> on <laughs> the road a record player and yeah. oh the um I hope romance will stay with music. Going back to the lyric thing and basically, I suppose, because I'm now very much over 21, (laughs) um, I just want the world to love more and to not uh, forget that we're all here to spread some little bit of love between us. Mm. And I think a song, a love song... Can capture that so easily.
0: I'm going to change the lyrics because I'm going to say I have spent my life.
1: Just <laughs> oh, so thank
0: you very much. Thank for
1: doing you, this. Michael. Thank <laughs> you for having me. As, as our mummies used to tell us.
0: Indeed. <laughs> thank you very much for having me. Up for a yes, I've had
1: a lovely time.
0: <laughs> you have been listening to My Time Capsule with me, Mike Fenton Stevens, and my guest Anita Harris. Many thanks for listening and huge thanks to Anita for giving me her time and, as I'm sure you noticed, the thrill of my life, getting to sing with her. That one's from my dad. I hope you enjoyed this gentle reminisce. If you did, then please subscribe to this podcast and take the time to rate and even review it before you go. Don't forget, if you'd rather not have adverts on this podcast, you can have that through Acast Plus. Link in the description of this episode. And the theme tune, written by Pass the Peas Music, is yours for free on Spotify. I also don't charge you if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, Instagram or Facebook. Just follow me or my time capsule, they're free as well, and even Pass the Peas Music, and we'll be happy to chat. This cast-off production for Acast was produced by John Fenton Stevens. For your delicatation. Right, I must be off. I'm away for a night, staying in a hotel in Bedford. Yeah, I know, it doesn't sound very glamorous, does it? But I've stayed there before. Turned up the last time, the door was locked. I knocked on a window on the first floor open, and this woman said, Yes? I said, I'm staying here. She said, "We'll stay there then, and she shut the window. It was supposed to be a five-star hotel. You could see most of them through the ceiling in my bedroom. Still, at least it was air-conditioned. In fact, I've never known air in such a condition. On a good day, you could see the bathroom. Yeah, I know, keep this up, and Freddie Davis will invite me on tour with the legends. I should be too lucky. Bye.